At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that maybe should consider a salad, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. If I pledge on Patreon, will you stop doing that? <laughs> Very nicely done. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and it's okay. You can call him Buddy. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Ahoy! Welcome. Each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. It's not every man that saves the Secretary of Defense from a horde of flesh-eating monsters only to end up on this podcast. It's Jonathan Paula! Howdy, howdy. Um, good to be welcome. here. Glad to welcome, be back. This is a, a good couple of films today. I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah, today we are talking about Those Who Wish My Army Dead, uh, and I think is the total title. Um, yeah, a couple dead films, Those That Wish Me Dead and The Army of the Dead, uh, as our films today. One of which debuting on Netflix this week, although it was in theaters uh, a week ago in some I ju- places. I'm just learning that from yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, That's great. Th- those Who Wish Me Dead... Um, if uh, is HBO is HBO Max right? Was that also? Did they yeah. also put that in theaters as well? It's so so hard to remember anymore who's putting what stuff where. But um, but those are the two we will be talking about today. Of course, we'll have um, you know, all our fun stuff, our buried treasure and best ever challenge. I think we're doing best ever dead movies, so movies with dead mm-hmm. or a form of the word dead, like die, dying, 
those kind of things in the title uh, as well. Uh, John, how you been, man? How you been doing? I I'm good. Um, just uh, sort of holding the fort, dealing with married life with two little girls, and um, the uh, the summer season is upon us. As I just mentioned in our uh, pre-show uh, chit chat, it's 90 degrees in my office, so I'm sweating to death. And uh, we just removed uh, a tick from the back of my daughter's head this morning. Oh no! Uh, so so we're yeah, that was fun. She woke us up at 5:30 a.m. And was like, I think there's something on my head. We're like, go back to sleep. What are you doing? It's too early. And then sure enough, yeah, there's a tick the size of my fingernail on the back of her skull. Oh. Uh, so we took care of that. That'll be fun to keep an eye on this week. Um, yeah, just yeah. trying to survive. But I'm. Uh, my wife got her second shot of the vaccine yesterday. Nice. I get. I get. I get fully vaxxed on Monday. We staggered it so we're not both out for the count at the same time. Um, and yeah, I'm. I'm really eager to get back into the theater. And we just mentioned on the uh, the Patreon pre-show about our, our summer blockbuster favorites and just getting a chance to see some of those in a theater again is is like it, that's the only thing I'm holding on to right now. <laughs> just like otherwise, it's, every day is just the exact same thing. So close. We're so close. Uh, yeah. Well, I can see we, the finish line. We appreciate you uh, podcasting from a, a sauna. Uh, today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that's, you know, that is real dedication. That is really impressive. Uh, and I don't know that I could do it. I don't know that I could do if I if it were ninety in here. I don't think you'd even see my face <laughs> through the sweat. Like it would just be it would be like you know how like uh, you ever seen a yeah. waterfall? It's just yeah. that's it'd just be a waterfall. It'd be like if somebody was like moving their face through the waterfall. That would just that be what you would see if it were ninety in here. So. Which is different from face waterfalls. That thing that John Travolta does in the movie Face Off. <laughs> that's just, He's just always like it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> so weird. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, oh, uh, I'm excited to get into it. Lots of great stuff. So uh, let's go ahead and do that. Let's kick it off uh, by talking about the Army of the Dead. You ready to play? There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. After a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries takes the ultimate gamble by venturing into the quarantine zone for the greatest heist ever. That's right. You heard me. It's a zombie heist movie. Uh, That is the first of this genre, I believe. Um, And I hope it's not the last because it's such a great pitch. I mean, Zach probably got funding for this with two lines. Zombies. Hi, you're in. I'll give you fifty million. Like it's it. The movie sells itself. It is a, such a cool concept. I would like to correct myself. There is a one other movie in this genre of uh, zombie heist movies. Uh, it's the the Going in Style from uh, 2017 uh, would be the other in this genre. That is an that is, that, is, an, is that a is that a joke about how old they are? Yes, that is an old people joke. That is that. It is took exactly. me a minute because like, did, did I even see that movie? Was it any good? I don't. It's not bad, yeah, it's actually. Just, it's not great, but uh, but yeah, no, I think I saw it. Bad. The fact that I don't remember. You should is watch probably... the documentary on the real guys that that's based off of. Yeah. That's better. Oh, that's cool. So you've got uh, you've got Dave Batista here, uh, kind of headlining what's going on. This is, of course, Zack Snyder's first effort since we saw the Snyder cut on uh, HBO Max. 
So, um, yeah, let's start here. What did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay as our guest? Jonathan, you get to start us off. Um, I really like this one, and I was surprised by it. I think Snyder has been uh, consistently, like, just below excellent and solidly above average for the last few efforts here. Okay. Andrew, what do you think? I'm going to go low side of okay. Okay. Low side of okay. Uh, liked it. I'm going to finish this off by going uh, low side of okay as well. I'm right right in the same boat uh, as you, Andrew. I have a hard time um, having this go anywhere near liked it. It is just way too dumb. <laughs> like, there is a level I can, I can get on board with, but it's just... There's so much dumb in this movie, uh, f- you know, for not enough fun uh, for for my uh, accounting. But Jonathan, you liked it the most, so you get to start. Us I off. think so. Tell I feel like the more we talk thoughts. about it, the more we talk about it, and the more intellectually I consider it, I, my rating is going to plummet over the next ten <laughs> minutes here. But uh, I, I feel like emotionally, I was like, "Yeah, this is great. I'm having a good time. This is like like a big, beefy two and a half hour mm-hmm. action spectacle, and there's a good deal of comedy mixed in." I think Tig Notaro and the the German safecracker character had some funny moments. Uh, I should say almost exclusively funny moments, uh, perhaps to their own detriment. There wasn't a lot of really serious beats except for Dave Bautista's character arc. Um, everyone's kind of disposable and it's super dumb and it's super simple, but it kind of worked. And I thought the action was photographed really well. I thought everything looked gorgeous and the setting and the concept of exploring a ruined zombified Las Vegas it was such a cool backdrop. I feel like we've done video games like this. I know Fallout New Vegas uh, takes place in, in like an approximate version of this, but not with zombies. Um, and I just – everything about like the world building and the atmosphere and the concept I enjoyed and some of the characters worked. Uh, and ultimately, I was having fun and I was grinning and I was smiling and generally having a good time. Um, but yeah, as I think more about it, I will probably – sort of come off of that really liked it <laughs> well let's let's stay on the positives here for a second yeah. you're not wrong there there is some fun to be had here Zack snyder knows how to visually create a a world that is interesting that sure. is dynamic uh you know people make fun of him for all the slow-mo but it serves a purpose you know it's the idea of i'm really going to take this thing and um you know uh, bodies become, you know, basically water balloons, but with blood in them, you know, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, absolutely go after it. And I don't know, there's something to respect there. I think he, I, if nothing else, we are learning Zack Snyder is who he says he is. You know what I mean? Like this, this is Zack Snyder. This is what he does. These are his movies. This, if you watch is that if you watch the only one that's not, I mean, not that's not it's not graphic like this is the owls of gahul but that's because that's a family movie and so you know all that stuff is is dialed down but it still has like the visual flourishes it you know you could even accuse that movie of being style over substance but that's kind of his point that's kind of what he's doing and i think on occasion throughout this movie it does work Um, maybe not as much for me as it did for you but there were moments where i was like oh i was like Snyder, I like. I can't believe you just did that. You know that kind of thing where it's something. It's just- something I I saw on Twitter earlier, um, and I'll paraphrase it badly, was that the difference between this and Justice League is this is Snyder doing a, a dumb movie on purpose. Like it's sort of self aware of how ridiculous it is, and mm-hmm. it works. 
Uh, and ironically, Snyder, uh, the Snyder Cut actually I liked, I think, the most out of all of us uh, when we reviewed that on the show a couple months back. But that was like a dumb movie masquerading as smart. It wanted to be like this big, grandiose, intelligent mm-hmm. epic. Um, and some of that works, but I think the stuff that works most is sort of the action beats and the dumbed-down stuff. Army of the Dead does not attempt any sort of intellectual superiority. There's no grand ethos to it that needs to be understood. It's just like watch zombie brains hit pavement and explode. And you just need to be like on board for that. I think it does try some things. And I think they fail. Like I think think emotionally, emotionally at least this movie is trying to do some things that it has no right to try to do and doesn't do them very well. Um, Primarily the father daughter stuff, uh, you know, is, is just, I'll push, I'm going to push back on that, Aaron. Not that it doesn't work because it doesn't work. (laughs) right no but i'm pushing back on the fact that they shouldn't have tried to do it i think that you need to do that for the simple fact that with a zombie movie you have to want these guys to win and you have to have some kind of groundwork done to you know make you care about them and i thought that it's a cliche the father-daughter thing but it's a cliche because it can work you know it can really you know get the heartstrings pulled and stuff like that. So yeah, I get why they wanted to do it and I get why it, it should work, but that doesn't mean it does. Well, it's just, it's not pulled off very well, but I will also say, no. I don't know that you need it. I, the, you, you have to have stakes, right? That is important in any movie. There have to be stakes of some sort. And I think the movie wants to use that relationship as the stakes, but the stakes can just be that these people are so fun and charismatic together that you want them to succeed. There's, you know, a central relationship between uh, the um, the safe cracker and one of the other characters, the Amari Hardwick character, uh, uh, Vander Vandero, I think, or something like that. That that sounds close. <laughs> I loved their relationship. Yeah. I loved, you yeah. know, the, the movie kind of worked into it nicely. I like how they interacted together. Uh, I loved the Tignataro character. I thought. She may have been the best thing about the movie for me. Uh, for which you know, is which for, is so. Let, let's dive into that real quick because for those who weren't aware, Tig was a last minute replacement for um, apparently the, the the newest pariah in Hollywood, Chris Delilah, who was wrapped up in a, a sex abuse scandal. And r- just like they did with Chris Plummer and Kevin Spacey in um, whatever that movie was called, All the Money in the World, or yeah, I think that's right. Um, they they digitally replaced Chris Delilah with Tig Notaro in post-production. She shot all of her scenes months after principal photography had filmed. I, I remember reading that she did not interact with anyone else on the cast. Everything she did was just picked up on green screen, some practical on location stuff, but they just like literally cut paste Chris for Tig. And she was honestly like, like the best character in the movie by a country mile. And I just I wanted so. an entire I wanted an entire franchise with Tig Notaro smoking cigarettes and flying helicopters. It was it was great. It was so much fun. And I'm not usually a big fan of her stand-up comedy, but like there was something about this sort of just like hard-assed character that I was like, yes, okay, thank you, please, I want more. <laughs> it really is incredible that it was a complete cut and you know replace. Um, there was only like one shot where I kind of noticed the lighting was slightly different, but everything else looked seamless. You, I, didn't if, no- I didn't notice it at all. I thought it was so well integrated. Um, yeah, I didn't notice it. To to know that that's a find and replace is is just astonishing. And the uh, fact that they did it and turned it around, I think this this story broke only seven or eight weeks ago. So like this, mm-hmm. they were like late in post production. Yeah, and they swatched yeah. out this whole character. 
Yeah, so to kind of just finish off that thought, with those characters alone, I have investment. I have stakes because I care about them and I, w- I want them to live. And I didn't need the the schmaltz. I didn't, I didn't need the ridiculousness of some of those things that they said to each other. <laughs> it's just like it right. was so over the top. And, you know, as, as somebody who has watched a lot of faith-based films in my life, like I was getting flashbacks to some of that acting, um, you know, where it's just like the, the idea in, in, by the way, it's not, it's not just located. I'm I, sorry. I'm firmly in negative territory now. It's <laughs> not just located in the father daughter relationship. It's in the um, Theo Rossi character, uh, the cop that they take in um, with them is just so such an over the top sleazebag. Like it's just like nothing. There's the lack of nuance is part of the Snyder thing sometimes, and it just it just annoys me sometimes. I'm just I, like, I definitely agree that none of the characters had anything outside of everything we've seen before. Right. Uh, there is one character that comes along with the group against their wishes and the whole time you're thinking like oh this guy is definitely going to be the one that turns on him the guy that goes with is always the bad guy mm-hmm. and and a bit of a spoiler alert yeah he is there's no <laughs> twist like and it's so fr- i'm like i wanted something refreshing where like it turns out he's actually good and he's right. the guy that saves the day but no the guy we expect to be bad is just bad and there's no subtlety there that yeah. was frustrating for sure that every character archetype was just right down the middle. All right, I'm going to send it to you, Andrew, for some uh, some of your negatives here. Before I do, just one final positive. I think we've already kind of mentioned this, but I do want to say it explicitly. Some of the shots in this movie are pretty incredible. Like, there's... there's That was going to be my one positive. Yeah, it's, it's just... Go ahead. Really, Why don't you talk about he it, He knows Andrew? how to make beautiful shots. Yeah. Yeah. With the brightness of the desert, you know, it's it's a unique way or it's a unique setting not only you know the uh the location and everything but you know the stylization of it for a zombie movie i don't think i've seen really anywhere i could be wrong are there really desert desertish zombie movies i feel like world war z might have had a couple scenes that reminded mm, me of this yeah. but no this that was one of my first points out of the gate that the world building and the, the environment was so fresh and different. And I, I wanted more in that space mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now's my negative. Yeah. Go for it, man. <laughs> Unload. So, and, and don't forget, I thought that the movie was a low side of okay. Yeah, I did, sure. you know. So everything that you're he- about to hear me say, you know, is, you know, because I haven't said much about how much the things I do like about this movie. But um, I. <sighs> A, I'm tired of the zombie genre, and B, this kind of twist to bring new freshness into the zombie genre did not work for me at all, because there are so many unanswered questions about why things are like they are that they just kind of hem-haw around that I'm like, no, I need to understand this because... A lot of what you're telling me right now doesn't really make sense. And it could have with... Because here's here's where I was coming from. I'm like, oh, okay, Zack Snyder, he did Dawn of the Dead. Maybe it's going to be, you know, in that sort of same vein. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think Zack Snyder was the first, like, big uh, zombie movie that had running zombies in it, right? 
I think it definitely popularized at least this side of like Y2K, like the resurgence of that. Yeah. Because that came prior to 28 days and 28 weeks later, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. Yeah. And in this one, Army of the Dead, he's trying to do something where he's, um, you know, bringing a new element to the zombies, kind of like he did with running. Except this element kind of doesn't. I it's they were kind of spoilerish for me to say it, but it kind of ruins the whole zombie, you know, elements of it because. Th- the thing about the zombies is that you know the rules, you know what you're up against, and it's your wits against numbers. And that's not the case in this one. And I'm like... Yeah, it, it's, I, it's like I a appreci- fundamental upending of the entire zombie structure of like yeah, the exactly. horde of brainless against like the few brave humans. Mm-hmm. And what if, yeah. what if the, and the, and the, and the, the twist, if you can even call it that, is that some zombies, poorly explained as to how or why, are smart. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, that's very interesting. Smart how? They can organize. All right. Do we ever really see that on display? I mean, not really. I, it, I don't I feel like it, they set up this premise just to make the zombies harder and to, like, ramp the difficulty for our heroes, but they don't yeah. really pay that off in any meaningful way other than there's, like, a big bad. That was really – they needed a central villain, yeah. not just a faceless horde. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't really care for that personally. Speaking of villains, I'm really gr- glad that that Theo Rossi uh, uh, character paid off in the end. That they stuck around with him, you know. <laughs> like that was. I'm so glad that you know uh, we swung yeah, back around. There's 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 a lot of dangling uh, ideas and threads in this that don't get paid off or yeah. uh, mentioned much at all. Um, yeah, I, I'm waiting for one zombie movie where. It's not inundated with characters making bad decisions solely for the fact that you can really amp up the tension in a movie. That's all they are. If you can find a way to have smart decisions that still have stakes, that's when you're going to have a good movie. Look at, I, for all you purists out there, I'm sorry I'm about to throw out the 28 Days Later thing, but you know... 28 days later and 28 weeks later, those characters all make smart decisions. It's the fact that, you know, it's just a hellish world that, you know, sometimes even though you make smart decisions can have dire consequences. And in this one, you just have dumb decisions leading to... And it it just frustrates you. You're like... Why? Why are you doing this? I I think this movie had an opportunity to really position itself as a work the problem scenario where we have like a group of smart, talented people that have unique skill set that have to go into an impossible environment and figure out how do we get from point A to point B harm without getting harmed and get the money out before the ticking clock. And like they don't need to like throw in extra red herrings or bad guys or like people that are going to double cross them. Like I wanted to see more scenes where they have – I want more scenes where they're looking at blueprints and Mm -hmm. figuring out how do we get across the casino room floor without waking up any of the sleeping – like that could have been a really tense scene. In this movie, they're just like, let's just shoot them all and we'll move to the next shot. Like I don't – This is there was no strategy. There was no like planning. It felt very lazy and more focused on the visual than any of the the structural or the thematic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is the point that I was going to make next. Uh, which is not only does this movie fail to be a great zombie movie, it fails to be a great heist movie. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it doesn't Big succeed on 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 either of those levels. 
to the to the amount that you would enjoy. Um, the heist stuff, I think it's even worse. Uh, it is an even worse heist movie than it is a zombie movie. Um, I agree. The the like you're such a minuscule part of the movie. Yeah, and, and there's none of the smart people creating you know like you're talking about uh john there's no problem to overcome they get to no. the safe and then it's like i guess we just need to crack it okay like there's no they don't there's not any real sequence of events minus a booby trap area where Which they have the an obstacle part of the movie yeah and there's there needs to be obstacles where they work around them oceans 11 is like the crown jewel of the genre for a reason it sets up all these different things 11 different people in 11 different directions it sets it up and then it w- lets us watch them all knock them all down this movie doesn't do any of that. They're just like, we're going to go get it. That's the plan? That's so boring. The the booby traps and the this way the they movie. the way they figure them out is so dumb, it's insulting. Like it's just yeah. like it is I I just I I watched that whole scene and just thought this is this is a complete non-issue. There's no there's no reason you need to be doing what you're doing in the first place, you know, to to solve "quote unquote" the problem this way. I just, yeah, that that scene really, really annoyed me, uh, especially because I was hoping the heist part would be exciting and fun and interesting, and it just never was. Not only was it never interesting, it never, ever, ever mattered at all in one way in this movie. Uh, you know, like it's just, it's just. I feel just, like we're all coming down on our rating the more we talk about it. <laughs> well, that is not unlike I I apologize, but that is not unlike other Zack Snyder movies. I came away from Sucker Punch uh f- having enjoyed uh the movie and then the more I thought about it I'm like, well that's dumb and that's dumb and that and you just yeah. realize that he's such a good visualist he's Visual. such a good he's, visualist he It's really a bit like is. a magician. It's a bit like watching a magician work. And you can see the flash and you can see mm-hmm. all the sizzle. And it's like, wow, that was incredible. And then it's like, here's how he did it. And it's like, oh, well, that's not that <laughs> exciting or impressive at all. Yeah. He, just, he just did like yeah. a fake wall. Oh, right. And I think it's a lot. Of, it's, like, it's like seeing how a magic trick is done. Um, and and you, uh, suddenly it's no longer interesting or impressive. And I think any intellectual discussion about a Zack Snyder film ultimately devolves to that point where it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. It really is not that great. I enjoyed I it. And I think up, emotionally it was really fun, uh, at least from a, like a visceral right. And I don't, standpoint. I don't feel like I want to. I don't feel like I even want to move the needle down into didn't like it because, like that stuff is worth something. Like you know, I I wasn't bored. I was never bored. I was insulted and I was annoyed, <laughs> but I was never bored. Um, so yeah, I, that 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 is something. That's something, and that's that's you know worth kind of moving the needle up, uh, in my opinion. But man, the dumb is dumb. I think my review on on Letterbox was you know no, that's you- it. The dumb is dumb. That's your full <laughs> review. <laughs> no, I think I think it was just uh, um, you know, are you willing to uh, experience a ton of dumb for an ounce of fun? Um, Ooh, and if so, you know, here's the movie for you kind of thing. And, and that's, that's kind of how I feel, you know, and results may vary. One thing I'd like to yeah. point out, um, before we wrap up and, and after having piled on the bad, uh, on the visuals, we didn't quite hit on, um, something I was really impressed by, uh, which is the focus pulling on mm-hmm. this movie. If there was a category for focus pulling, whoever, uh, worked as DP with Zack Snyder on this 
needs to get nominated for an Oscar if the category existed because they shot almost every close-up as wide open as possible. And we're talking about a depth of field that is like from the top of your nose to like the back of your eye. Like mm-hmm. you, any shot is off by just an inch. It's all out of focus. And they use that to, I think, mostly great success. There were a couple shots where they seemed like deliberately artistic with like how everything was blown out of focus. But when they got that shot dialed in correctly, which was most of the time, it looked so just crisp and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And most of these close-ups just looked like paintings. They were gorgeous the way they yeah, shot them. I agree. I and a lot of that was, was – I think Snyder is a better DP than he is probably a, a writer. And I would like to see him film more movies and maybe not write as many. Yeah. Yeah. I want to complain about one more thing. Please. <laughs> Do it, man. We'll, f- we'll finish with one more of your complaints. Yeah. So there's a scene where Vandero is talking about possible previous teams. And then he goes into this kind of yeah, yeah. theoretical <laughs> – this theoretical slash philosophical discussion about them. And it sounds like it has insane, you know, implications for the movie, but it's never touched. It's on a again. throw. It, he, it means he posits, nothing. He, he posits like, what nothing. if we were in Groundhog Day? And then it's a throwaway joke. You can't just introduce the concept of a temporal loop and do nothing with it. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, that was just a Especially gag. when you Apparently have, you can. when you're laying yeah, when you're laying Easter eggs like they did, you're like, oh, this is also something that's, you know, unique to the zombie genre. But it it has no payoff at all. And it frustrated the crap out of me. You think they are intending to set up any sort of franchise with this? No. No. I mean, I hope not, but I, it seems almost every half-successful IP needs to lead into a sequel these days. I, I mean, hope not. Course- of course, they're going to give themselves that opportunity, but uh, no, I don't. I don't think that's the intent uh, to do that here. I will also say there's a um, there's a sacrifice. Well, there are a couple. There are many sacrifice moments in this movie because of of course there are. Um, but there's there's one involving the safe that I didn't understand, uh, and not yeah. to, not to spoil anything, but I, it just involved a situation where I was like, but why 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 <laughs> like wh- yeah, yeah. why are you doing it? That way, <laughs> like, couldn't you? Yeah, just, no, it yeah. didn't make a lot of sense uh, without, so, yeah, so yeah, without spoiling it. You could have saved yourself. I don't understand why <laughs> right. it had to be one yeah. or the other. Yeah. <laughs> also, how are they going to leave? Sort of thing was going through my head. Well, the, let's let's please not talk about uh, es- yes yeah, es- escaping a, a, a nuclear uh, attack. Like that's you know. I, w- I will say thing. I will say the the mo- the title sequence montage that shows the the de-evolution of Vegas as it's overrun by zombies, set to like a slowed down uh, Elvis Presley classic, was awesome. Mm-hmm. And sure. like that first five minutes, that was super cool. I oh, loved that. that. I want to talk about the ending with that acoustic version of the Cranberry Zombies. I mean, yes, also it's an really, pick, there was some but great it was a music, beautiful the, rendition of that song. I'm like, I'm gonna have to go find yeah. that. No, yeah. the needle drops on this movie were definitely on point. World building, visuals. Everything else was sort of uh, a little too dumb to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So do we do we recommend it? I mean, if you've got Netflix and you like this kind of movie, um, and we haven't mentioned this, is this? Am I wrong to say this movie's over two hours long? Two like, and a half. No, two, yeah, it's two and like a half two hours two long. Ten. That is the other thing you get in with the Zack Snyder movie is uh, nobody's nobody's telling him 
to you know cut his movies <laughs> anymore. They're What's like, an well, editing room floor? The, the I've last, never heard of such thing. The last time somebody made you cut your you know your movie down, it was a horrible thing. So go ahead, Zach. Just take as long as you need. Yeah. Just do you know four hours, whatever the case may be. Uh, and still, there's not enough exhibition for me to understand. Yeah, this. Yeah, the exposition what's going is, on in this movie. Week. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, recommend. I'm gonna I say would no. recommend it. I'm gonna say I think no. I, I think it's just you know. But if if you if you like Zack Snyder stuff, then go ahead, have fun. I'd, you know, if it was if it was theatrical only, I would say stay home, stay safe, and skip it. But it's on Netflix. Yeah. You probably have it already. I would. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely check it out. Yeah. I don't know that I'd so ever rewatch it. I think rewatch I just said exhibition instead of exposition. <laughs> That's I, fine. I That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, put it, watch it. Watch it on one and a half speed or something. <laughs> yeah. You joke, yeah. but I, 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 I might be seriously offending a good deal of our audience. But uh, I do that sometimes for entire movies. I'll watch an entire movie at one and two quarter speed. Yeah, one and a quarter speed. I'll yeah. uh, the whole movie. I've yeah. gotten hey, really good watch, at it. <laughs> if you watch First Cow at two and a half speed, it might actually be a halfway decent movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. Come on. Come on, Andrew. Come on. It's I mean, it's the whole movie is an anecdote for that whole, you know, that old awful saying, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? And that is it. That's that is all, what it is. It's just a horrible analogy for that, like a literalization of it. It's... Yeah, it's not a good movie. Well, ever. you know, you know, a movie's great when you end by reviewing a completely different movie. Uh, all right, yeah. <laughs> let's Moving move on. on. <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about those who wish me dead. That's our job. I'm not gonna hurt you. I wanna see where the blood's coming from. It's not my blood. You in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? Still reeling from the loss of three lives, Hannah is a smoke jumper who's perched in a watchtower high above the Montana wilderness. She soon encounters Connor, a skittish boy who's bloody, traumatized, and on the run in the remote forest. As Hannah tries to bring him to safety, she's unaware of the real dangers to follow. Uh, this is on HBO Max. Of course, Angelina Jolie is the lead here. What did you guys think about Those Who Wish Me Dead? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, why don't you start this time? Well, Aaron, as you might know, I guested on Sip Hop Writer's Room podcast earlier this week. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking a little bit about this movie, and I made a prediction on your thoughts on this movie. Oh, fun! I can't wait! (laughs) Yeah, but... I am actually going to go with I really liked it. Okay, good. John? Uh, I I liked it. Like, just okay to liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the low side of liked it as well. Um, Oh, wow. I I was wrong. What Did you think I was going to hate it? No, not hate it, just didn't like it. No, I, I will tell you, I think there's a real place for this kind of movie, and I think there's fewer and fewer of them, and... Um, it sounds like Andrew, you like it the most. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you start. Um, what are some, some of the things you really like about those who wish me dead? A, I'm a big Taylor Sheridan fan. I think that the guy makes phenomenal movies. I think that he has a real eye for, you know, bringing that 
northwestern Wyoming, Montana. That's where like 90% of his stuff is based. You know, but he has a real way of making it, you know, a realistic and also intimidating environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to you know, I want to shout out a couple performances in this movie because I think that that's really where this movie shines is that I think that this is an amazingly cast movie. I think it's really good. I do think Angelina Jolie is, you know, good. I think she is well-serviced in the role. But actually, Finn Little, who plays the young kid in this, I was really, really impressed by a lot of the stuff because he mm-hmm. has to carry a lot of emotion in this movie and really sell it. And I think that he does a great job. Also, the final one I want to shout out is Medina Sigour, who is my favorite character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She plays uh, the wife of John Bernthal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree with those shout outs. Uh, actually, um, I think the performances all around are are really great. I love Aiden Gillen. Yeah, um, Aiden Gillen is so good at playing the heel. He's so good. He, I, he is like yeah. I was actually in in many parts of this movie. I'm totally on board with everything you said about all those performances. But uh, the two villains, Nicholas Holt and Aiden Gillen, uh, there so was something good. there was something like compelling. I'm like I kind of want to see a movie that's just from their perspective, right? Just these two mm-hmm. like these hitmen slash cleaners that go around and like fix messes. Like they were really fascinating, and I want to see like a show or a franchise built around a concept like that because I was really fascinated about like oh how are they going to wait? Why do I want them to get out of this? That's not they they need to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. really dug the kind of. They kind of reminded me of like Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men, just that coldness to them, but they're also driven by their work. Yeah, and there was like a calculating sort of uh, dispassionate mood they had that was like, these guys are like super evil, but also impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the mystery. There's there's all, uh, Taylor Sheridan in this movie. I don't know. Did he write this one too? Um, yes. No, he did not. Yeah, he did. Michael Korcia. He co-wrote. Okay, so yeah, Taylor also worked on the screenplay. Okay, but something that they do in this movie that works for me, and I can see how this won't work for a lot of people, is I think that he and all the screenwriters knew where to leave mystery. Like, they don't explain everything in this movie. Actually, there's a lot of stuff that isn't explained in this movie, but I think it's on purpose because it's stuff we don't need to know. You know, they give you a basic idea of those things, like why they are after. But they don't explicitly tell you the exact details mm-hmm. for why, you know, they're they're after these people or anything like that. Because the movie is more interested in character development. And obviously, a redemption arc in this movie is really what this is you know, based around, and I think that they do a great job. I think that the metaphorical, you know, rebirth of fire and stuff like that is very prevalent in this movie. Um, It's, yeah, there's a lot in this movie that I really like. And I don't know, I hope it's not that I'm just drinking the Taylor Sheridan Kool-Aid. I really do think that this is a good movie. You were not, uh, I don't think you were on the week we did uh, Without Remorse. Is that right? Um no, that was the one with uh, Michael B. Jordan, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you end up? Yeah, did you end up, I was out. Did you end up watching that movie without remorse? Oh yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, what did you think of that? Uh, it was okay. I mean, that movie had some 
insanely good action sequences that really not only you know were fun to look at but also built tension. But as far as Tom Clancy uh, stuff, I was a little let down. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much the same you know response that we had as well. But I only ask because that also is a Taylor Sheridan script. Um, so it's, it's is it? Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of one of those things where I came out of without remorse, and I was like, oh no, it's Taylor into Sheridan. That one. Yeah, it was like <laughs> he set you up for that. Um, and so, and so it was kind of like, well, I thought you knew that I, I really wasn't trying to set you up. No, no, um, no, no, it, it wasn't. <laughs> gotcha. You know, it wasn't anything <laughs> like that. But, uh, but yeah, but coming into this one, I was like, okay, there's a little more of that Taylor Sheridan stuff that I like. Wind River obviously yeah. is really good. Hell or High Water, I think is one of the best movies awesome. ever made. Like, it's just so great. Um, yeah. so so yeah, and of course Sicario. Um, I don't know that I liked Sicario as much as everybody else, but I I recognize a lot of greatness in it. Um, so yeah, so th- I was glad to see some of that ter- Taylor Sheridan stuff. I loved this closely after coming out of Without Remorse and going, oh no, because <laughs> the the script of that didn't really feel that great to me. Um, no, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, yeah, the script of uh, Without Remorse is definitely lacking. Um, but, uh, yeah, so bad Sheridan. We can't all be winners. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, I will continue on the, uh, the positives by saying the thing I love, I think most about this movie is it has a very mid nineties action feel to it. I was going to say that this felt like an old nineties thriller in the best way. In the best way, right? Because the way that it's just, it doesn't it's get lean. caught up. Yeah. In all the periphery stuff, you know the stakes, and it's like, you know, peop, smart people trying to outsmart each other. And, get, and yeah. it's set against the natural disaster, which is a, like a 90s staple. Right. If you're not running from a tornado or an earthquake or a fire, it's not a 90s movie. <laughs> yeah, this is Die Hard meets Dante's Peak. It's, which is kind of a cool way to pitch it, and it totally was. <laughs> yeah. I uh, so, so I really love that about this movie. Die Peak. And Andrew, you were kind of talking a little bit about that with not getting, you know, caught up in, you know, what this shadow organization is or what what happened is exactly with, you know, what did the accountant catch in like none of that stuff matters. What matters is yeah. bad guys want boy dead. Town tries to save boy. That's what matters. Yeah. And that is enough, man. Like if everybody's on their game and everybody's doing their job, like I'm in. I want to see how this happens, how you use your particular set of skills to accomplish this task. And, uh, and it did not let me down. You know, uh, the characters all felt authentic enough to me, real enough to me, and even more importantly, smart enough to me to pull off the things they were pulling off. Um, Oh yeah. Angelina Jolie's character is really smart in this movie. mm -hmm. Yeah. She's, she's, you know, emotionally, you know, going through a lot of stuff, but whenever it comes to survival, that's her game. She knows everything about it. There's a sequence, and I I don't know if there's just me because Ormsby's have a bad history with lightning, but uh, <laughs> there's a lightning sequence in this movie where I was on the edge of my seat just really, really tense, and I'm like, uh-huh. okay, I hope that this is hitting as hard for other people as it is for me because this is great. Yeah. yeah. I want to say this real quick. I think the best, absolute best thing about this movie, kind of like we were talking about with Army of Dead, surprisingly enough, is the visuals. I think that this is an Mm. insanely beautiful movie. There are shots with the fire 
and stuff like in the background the way that that lighting works you know to create shadows and stuff like that is so gorgeous actually i saw um after i watched the movie i did see this uh behind the scene there's a there's a scene in the movie where angelina jolie keeps coming to a flashback of a of a previous fire and uh the entire time i'm going wow this is gorgeous i don't know how they shot this turns out taylor sheridan built a secluded forest to literally set on fire with the actress inside of it. Incredible. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say so, he was responsible for the 2019 forest fires in California. Yeah. Yeah. That was I him. Mean, <laughs> but look what we people got lost their it. house. <laughs> yeah, but look yeah, what we, yeah. worth it. Yeah, no, Absolutely. not at all. Uh, uh, some things I wanted to uh, uh, touch on. Yeah. Um, one, it was so nice to see Angelina back. I had to check her her uh, Wikipedia page because outside of like Kung Fu Panda, she has done literally two movies in the last ten years. Uh, she has really taken a step back from Hollywood. Uh, Breast cancer are, and six kids they, will probably do that. Are they both the Maleficent movies? Are those the only two movies? I, I like like basically yes. Okay. They, I think right. there was one smaller movie she had done, um, but yeah, in the last decade she's done like literally less than three. Wow. Well, she and has been directing movies too, so yes. she yeah. may have just mm-hmm. taken a step back from acting. So, and, sure. and I, and I totally get you're allowed to do whatever you want, um, but I kind of forgot like what star power and charisma she has because as soon as she shows up, it's like that's a movie star. I want to watch this person win. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. there was something, just something about Absolutely. her smile. There's something about her presence, and I think towards the back half of the picture, she was a little bit more stoic than I wanted her to be. There wasn't like as much emotion or excitement or fear. But like that, she just plays it so cool mm-hmm. um, in, in maybe a way that hurt her character towards the end. But sh- I thought she did really well uh, opposite the, the child actor, uh, which brings me to my next point. He, that kid, was so smart and so level-headed and followed directions from his dad and everything else in this movie. I was almost like if a child in a movie does everything correctly and never once endangers the adults or themselves – What's the point of that character? Because <laughs> it's almost like a crush. Right? You you introduce a child into a script to give yourself that difficulty and give yourself that script writing issue of like, how do we get this person who doesn't quite have full cognizance out of a tricky situation? The kid on his own is like super competent, almost to the fact that it's like a cheat code. Like he never once has any issue doing anything. I kind of disagree. I kind of disagree. There was a, little a couple bit. times because was it, there any was there any scenes where like he. he had the lightning scene. He made good choices. I'm not. I'm not yeah. disagreeing that he made. It was good refreshing. Yeah. It was refreshing to see a like a child that was just like, okay, I will do what you say because I understand this is important. But I think what and, and I agree with Andrew. I think his performance is incredible. Finn oh, Little really uh, is, is his name, and part of that performance is yes, he's making good choices, but he is expressing the entire time that he is out of his like he is just out of his league, out of his mind. Like operating on rivers lead to you know streams lead to rivers, rivers lead to town. Like you know, like he's he's not like overconfident. He's not too cool for school. He's not uh, above his years. He's playing. I guess, I, he's playing I guess his what years, even though he's making wise choices. I guess what I'm saying is, yeah. I was expecting more scenes where like he trips or needs help climbing up a thing, but like he can do everything. Everything the adults do, he does better. And I was kind of like, this is refreshing, but also a little bit unrealistic. 
Because, like, yeah. just going to the store with my daughter is, like, a half an hour process. And this kid was like, no, that's fine. I'll <laughs> jump down the rope. I'll run through the lightning storm and out of the f-. – like, he had no hesitation, which in a fight or flight situation might be more realistic. And yeah. thank- hopefully I never have to get into a forest fire with my daughter. But I don't think she would have behaved as well. <laughs> I bought it. I, I definitely bought yeah. it. Um, so – and I think a lot of that has to do with the performance – um, I will transition us just a little bit into the negative, and it's really not a huge one, but I feel like Nicholas Holt's kind of wasted in this movie. And I'm not in part of the issue for me with our two um antagonists uh is that I didn't understand their dynamic or the purpose of the two characters. Like it, it almost seemed to me you could remove Nicholas Holt from this movie other than Practical reasons, plot reasons. Yeah, right, right. Um, where they needed two people. Where they needed two people. You could remove Nicholas Holt from this movie and it feels the same and feels as intense and interesting. I, you I know what would have probably so- worked? If, if the second guy was like a mute for some reason, like a big, tall mute. Mm-hmm. And like he just grunted. And they had one of those like Penn and Teller relationships. That actually could have really worked. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or Aiden yeah, just has to carry a, every conversation. That is definitely a 90s trope right there. <laughs> like, so there's something weird like guy. that. Because I agree. Like Nick Holt was the far and away the less interesting version of that pair. And I didn't really care about him at all. But like Aiden Gillen, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is, he's going to get him. This guy's yeah. smarter and, than the Terminator. And Aiden Gillen wasn't Littlefinger. I'm not saying that from a accent perspective. I'm saying like, you know, his mannerisms, you know, and, you know, the intensity of that character. Uh, it was terrifying. And Littlefinger, you know, I think that's... I'm glad that, you know, he's doing a movie where he's like, okay, yeah, you got Littlefinger and uh, Beast. You know, those are what I'm expecting to show up on screen. Mm -hmm. But no, I think Aiden Gillen does a real good job. I will push back Aaron a little bit on the Nicholas Holt performance because I do think that they are two sides of the same coin. I think that Nicholas Holt is the more tactically sound character. Like, he is more of a, you know operative in the sense of you know his knowledge of weaponry and military tactics whereas Aiden Gillen's character is more of the uh the planning the uh the subterfuge element of everything I think that they're they both make one amazing character but uh it also without having another character Aiden Gillen has nobody to play off of, you know? All of his dialogue is mostly with Nicholas Holt, like, they should have brought two teams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he, you wouldn't have known whenever he was talking to Medea that, you know, it was really... You know, I'm glad that John got that. Oh, I got it. it. I got it. It took me a half beat. I'm like, wait, oh, that's right. Tyler Perry's in this for some reason. You mean Alex Cross, but yeah, continue. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, which that could have been cut. That scene could have been cut. I don't think that you know that scene. Was yeah, but Tyler we don't Perry need an explanation necessary. for this mysterious like. Well, even black more, op. even even more importantly, we don't get one in that scene. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. if that was the point of yeah. that scene, it failed because they they don't really give an explanation at all in that scene. Yeah, all it was like a. It, yeah, all it was was a fifteen or a ten minute scene of them showing up to Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, and he's like, "You're not doing a good enough job. Do better." <laughs> yeah, that's all pretty right, much bye. it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on this one? 
um, that you guys wanted to, to say that you haven't got a chance to kind of express? One, one negative, uh, besides what we've already mentioned, is I, I really was hoping for more firefighting stuff. And yeah. this Angelina Jolie point. is a smoke jumper, and we never once see her jump or do anything with fire. She runs from it, but she never fights it in the whole movie. Yeah. I was really, I really wanted a any scene. Yeah, but like I, that was the first, like that cold open flashback. Uh, I really wanted to just see like more of that, like a situation where she's faced with that exact same situation, but has an opportunity to like fight the fire and win. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't really get that. And I was hoping, I guess, for more of an like a backdraft man against nature. I think, and that's it, this fair. was man against man. I, I think that's fair. We get some towards the end. We get a little bit of the the fire skills and you know knowing what to do. But you're right. There, I don't think there's enough of that to um, you know. Once you kind I've, of establish I've never, it, I've never seen a movie about smoke jumpers or fighting wildfires. And I think that's a really cool backdrop and a setting for an action movie. But you didn't really use the wild firefighters or mm-hmm. hotshots in any meaningful Who did? way. Let me recommend Who did only uh, the brave. Yeah, I was going to say. Let me recommend only, only the brave, brave uh, to you. Okay. Um, that movie is incredible. Uh, I love that oh, film. It deals with that stuff. <laughs> that's a that's a heartbreaking movie. Um, oh and then God. I would also say the other one that came to mind was uh, Always, the Spielberg movie. Um, you know, that's more of a, a love story, kind of a supernatural love story. But they these are, are both movies I had clearly slept on because they're um, relatively, or at least uh, Only the Brave is relatively new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So only the brave and I wanna, always. I would. I would suggest checking those yeah. out. I should. Uh, Thank you. I, I want to talk about what uh, John brought up with the uh, the lack of firefighting in this movie, which I understand, but I also re- think that that's not what Angelina Jolie is struggling with. Whenever she is coming in contact with fire in this movie, post the uh, the flashback stuff, it's the the fires are like a trigger. Not for like a fire that they failed, but it was for a failure to save something. You know? Oh yeah, no, I, I totally get and respect her character arc, and that comes to a nice conclusion. But I definitely wanted like a hose or some water in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> and just just like a little bit, just like a little, or maybe just at the end of the movie, the guys that come in, maybe they have hoses, maybe they have water, or a plane dumps some of that. Pink you just stuff. definitely want a hose. You I just, just wanted to see fire get put out. That would like yeah. that we don't. They set the fire, but then no one ever puts the fire out. Mm-hmm. Do we even get it? Do we even get a, a conclusion to that, or does it just keep burning? I think it just keeps burning. It keeps burning, burns itself out. Because you, you know? see it burning in the distance, mm-hmm. and at the end of the so yeah, I think that's what it was. It was it was like I had no release on that like building tension. There, there's fire builds the whole movie, and we never see anyone even throw a bucket at the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, a fire if if wildfires were that easy to put out, you know. To yeah, have yeah. three guys jump out you of a just, plane you gotta start, with some just start pitching. and a hose. <laughs> just start pitching <laughs> nope, water. That's not how it works. It's actually more. It's yeah. actually more about chopping down trees than it is a, a hose. Um, which is we yeah. didn't see that either, though. No, I know, but actually, I, it's more about starting another fire. It can be that as well. It can be that as well, yeah. or or it can be uh, drops. You know, you can do yeah. uh, air drops. Um, but yeah, yeah. And again, these are all things that you might see in Only the Brave and uh, Always. I am, I'm, so, I'm gonna go check those out. Uh, Man, only the Brave is a rough movie. It's so good, though. It's so very good. It is really good. Um, I will say uh, recommend on this one. Uh, easier for me yeah. to recommend this one. I think it's um, especially if again you like that '90s action kind of style where it's just simple focus, 
smart people trying to outsmart each other. Um, I think you're going to enjoy this uh, a little bit at least. Yeah. So I would totally go. recommend it. And just the having character decisions all feel authentic and real and ones you can intellectually agree with is so refreshing. Be like, yes, no, that that is a good idea. I yeah. don't – you didn't just run into something for no reason. Like you're actually making smart choices and you get out of them in smart ways. Like, okay. And – and the smart choices are being made by characters who you believe would know how to make those smart choices. Yeah. That's the other part this movie sets up really well is it's not just, you know, some, you know, guy in L.A. who all of a sudden knows how to do something. You know, like it's these are people who would know how to do these things. Um, so. I, I appreciated that, that unlike the first movie we spoke about, this movie, I, I think, definitely respects the audience's intellectual capacity mm-hmm. a sure. lot better. I think so. I think so. Too. I appreciate that. I also uh, want. Go ahead. Also wanted more Medina Singora in this movie because she was my favorite character. Yeah, yeah. I, I think she played her role well. I actually think that role. I mean, I agree. Anytime you see somebody you like in a movie, you want more. But, um, yeah. but that I mean, that was the right amount in this movie, and I think it it works to that character's benefit. Um, uh, you know how how she's used in the film. So it's really yeah. difficult to make a pregnant woman on film unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she did not buck that trend. <laughs> no, no, she did not. No. Uh, before we head on to the best ever challenge, just a reminder, if you would like to support what goes on here at Sift Pop, we appreciate that. Uh, that is through Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Sift Pop. Lots of fun stuff goes on there at the different tiers. Um, we have a uh, monthly uh, hangout uh, that I do, just hang out and chat movies uh, with the members. We also have weekly bonus podcasts. Uh, we talked about, we each picked, the three of us each picked a couple movies we think are going to perform well at the box office this year. We may recheck in on that uh, at the end of the summer. Um, so kind of like a summer movie preview-ish uh, kind of thing on the bonus podcast. Uh, and no ads on your podcast feed there at the Patreon. So if you're interested in checking that out uh, or just supporting what goes on here because you love it, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash sift pop and huge 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 thank yous uh from us to you for doing that at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
On to the Best Ever Challenge. We are doing Best Ever Dead Movies, since both of our movies have the word dead in the title this week. Uh, we thought it would only be appropriate to look at other movies that had the word dead, or dying, or death, or die. Um, I just, I felt very morbid there for a second saying all those words. I like words the like ones that. <laughs> that have, I love the searches and the Best Ever Challenge that have words and titles, because I can just do a control F on my spreadsheet and be like, well, there they are. Those are my movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have to think about it. I don't nice. have to be like, and, and it's, and, and perhaps uh, to your detriment, um, Aaron, they are, it's a very objective qualification. You can't fudge any rules here and say, well, uh, someone dies in the movie. Like, no, 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 no. This is very clear. Half the word dead has to be in there. I don't know. Uh, you know, if the word D-I-E is in the middle of a word. No, no. I'm uh, going to immediately veto. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick any of those this week. That's good. Uh, let's get into it. Number five to number one. Um, I'll kick us off. Uh, with Dead Again as my number five choice. Um, man, this is old That's school. Cut. That's a good one. Thriller, uh, twisty, you know, before every movie was twisty. Um, this movie is really, really interesting and fun. High recommend for me. It was kind of between this and I'll just go ahead and shout out one of my honorable mentions uh, for my number five slot, which is Dead Calm. Um, uh, which That's I also the one re- with uh, Billy Zane on a sailboat, right? Yeah, that's that's like an early, early Nicole. This is the movie I fell in love with Nicole Kidman uh, for uh, Dead Calm is. But I went with Dead again because I think it's a better film. Um, I think it's just it's it's more well structured and uh, is more interesting. So don't want to give a lot of away a lot away because this is a fun one just to experience. But if you haven't seen Dead again, coming uh, up on its 30th anniversary, actually, mm -hmm. Dead again. I would check out Dead again. Uh, Andrew, what do you got at number five? I'm going to go with me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Good choice. Oh. You get bumped? Yeah. Cool. Uh, We'll wait to talk about that one. I also like that movie. Excited to talk about it later. Uh, What do you got at number five? Uh, Something we've already mentioned, um, but the original version of Dawn of the Dead, 1978. uh, Sort of the the grandfather of all zombie movies. uh, Classic setup. A bunch of people that aren't zombified are stuck in a mall with zombies. How do they get out? And it's one of those work the problem. uh, and And it does. And it sets up that and it pays it off so well. Uh, there's a reason it got a remake, and the remake itself is also pretty excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the original Dawn of the Dead is, in my opinion, I think probably only second to 28 Days Later is in terms of like best zombie movies. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. And uh, the remake, Zack Snyder's remake, quite a few, le- quite <laughs> not as many biker gang members <laughs> in that one, <laughs> riding around in a mall doing goofy stuff. It's true. It's true. Um, all right, my number four. I think we're ready for. Uh, this is where I have one cut of the dead. Um, if you've never gotten a chance to see this, uh, this is fabulous. And it's one of those movies I can't really tell you a lot about. Um, Ooh, I like those. Um, because the experience of watching it is singular uh, if, if you don't have knowledge about what you're getting into. Um, Stop so- talking now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, You've already sold me. This is one of those movies. uh, There's a handful of them that is just an immediate recommend for me for all film lovers. Uh, And it's just like, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to see this movie. Put it on your watch list, move it to the top and find some time to watch it. You Uh, had me at my number four. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. That's one cut of the dead. And when you do watch it, please, uh, please check back with me. I would love to talk about it uh, with you. Yeah. 
So, uh, what is your number four, Andrew? Deadpool. Yeah, I knew somebody was going to pick Deadpool. I had that in my honorable yeah, mention, so you me may too. proceed. <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's brilliant. I mean, if there was ever a character that like an actor was born to play, Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool is like the I think mm-hmm. the epitome of that. You know, it's he is so perfect as Wade Wilson. And I like the way that this movie shot, you know, with going back and forth with the meta-ness. It's it's they truly, truly understood this time around what the character was supposed to be like. And uh, yes, that is jabs at X-Men Origins. <laughs> As it that's just be. a terrible, terrible movie. But uh, no, this is perfect. I love this movie so much. Very nice. Deadpool in at number four for Andrew. And John, what do you got my, at number four? Uh, my number four, this might be a bit of a wild card, Tomorrow Never Dies. The, oh. What is that? The 17th entry in the James Bond franchise uh, might be one of my favorites. I think this, among all of them, and certainly among Brosnan's uh, four movies, uh, is is just so quintessentially Bond. Like, from start to finish, when you need to single out, like, what is a Bond movie? What does it feel like? What is, like, a stereotypical beginning, middle, and end? What's, like, a good chase scene? What's, like, a good villain? I feel like this movie hits all those beats in spades. It, it feels like the best middle episode from your favorite TV show. It's not a finale. It's not a premiere. It's that, like, middle season episode that perfectly encapsulates everything you like about it in one sort of episodic installment and tomorrow never dies i think nails all of those like check marks perfectly and jonathan price as like a media mogul villain he's so good yeah with a really weird uh, drill machine thing the drill machine thing and there's an entire bike chase through hong kong where uh oh yeah uh, with uh michelle yo is is uh, riding yo on his back yeah and they're handcuffed together trying to ride a bike underneath a helicopter there's some awesome stunts here. The music is great. And it's right before like Y2K when they were still putting techno and practical explosions everywhere. Nice. Uh, it's good. It's a great 90s uh, action movie. Very nice. It's not my it's not my favorite Brosnan. It's not even my second favorite Brosnan. But it's my third favorite Brosnan. Nice. <laughs> good to movie. know. Good Nobody to know. likes yeah. Die Another Day. <laughs> Nobody likes Die Another Day. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's not on my list. Die Another Day is not on my list. Um, let's see. So we're to number threes. Is that right? My number three. Uh, this is where I have Shaun of the Dead. That might get trumped. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We'll get yeah. to it when, uh, when you're ready, Andrew. What do you have at, uh, number three, Andrew? Oh, uh, me. This is, uh, this is where I have your number one. Uh, this is where I have Dead Poets Society. <laughs> Listen, you don't tell me what my number one is, but yes, you're trumped. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, what do you got at number three? Uh, this is where I have me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll let you go first, actually, because um, I'm curious to hear what you say about it. Oh, me? Um, yeah, I, I love the movie. I only have one qualm with this movie in that it's the surprise, unreliable narrator is something that just really threw a wrench in what I thought otherwise was a perfect movie. I mean, it would be... There was no reason for that, and it kind of ruined the end of the movie, but everything up to that point is so spectacular. Performances, I mean, it really pulls at your heartstrings. Molly Shannon, as the mom of this young girl in this movie, is just so... It's just so sad to see her go through all of this. You just feel the pain. She is so good. 
I think that a lot of comedic comedic actors are really good at you know expressing you know true pain and what that feels like. I, I don't think we might get to Robin Williams uh, in a minute about that too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, 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 Me or Only the Dying Girl, I think, is definitely in in the pantheon of excellent teen dramas from the last uh, couple decades, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Perks of Being a Wallflower and Edge of Seventeen. Um, yeah. EZA, I think, is probably in that category, but more of a comedic one. But yeah, yeah, the last 10 years, we've gotten like one really good teen drama each year. This was one of my favorites of that that block of 10 or so. Uh, yeah, it's just, it hits all those emotional beats so effectively that these are characters, they feel like real, authentic people with hopes, dreams. And when, when some of those dreams don't happen, you're just like crushed as, as much as they are. Um, yeah. But it works. Like, it's authentic. It's kind of funny. It, it's it has like a relatability to it that is so hard to capture, especially with that age group, which always feels sort of preachy or cheesy or out of touch. Like this is clearly made by adults, four teens, but like this has like a, a like a tenderness and a care to it that is really difficult to capture. Well, I think the <clears throat> really what helps with that whole thing is that a lot of movies the the uh, the turmoil and the tragedies that those teens deal with the stakes aren't for like adults. So they don't seem, well, it's like, I don't have a date to the prom. I go, okay. Yeah. This on the other hand is about a young girl with cancer and it's real. That really elevates, you know, everything about, you know, the stakes and the emotion and everything that they try and do for her. Absolutely. Everything is elevated. So that's how you really make a movie like this work. I think if, if you've seen Lady Bird or um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Booksmart, and you liked those movies, I think this is an um, absolute must-see. I yeah. agree. It was definitely in my honorable mentions. Uh, I love this movie as well. Jonathan, uh, you have it at number three. Andrew, you had it at five. Is that right? Five. So there you go. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Uh, number twos. Um, might get trumped on this one as well, even though I'm at t- number two. It would not surprise me if somebody had this one at number one. Uh, this is where I had Die Hard. Uh, Trump. There it's you go. Num- yeah, there it's my go. number two as well. Well, we'll so wait. We'll, we'll wait till we get to Jonathan's number one then. Uh, your number two, Andrew, was also Die Hard. So now we're Jonathan to your number two. Uh, this is where I had Dead Poet Society. Oh, well, I'll trump that, and then we'll just go right into our number ones, ladies and gentlemen. I like how we agree. Like this, I love that we have like a good uh, a good uh, sort of crowding at the top here. These these are movies that deserve to be spoken in the same sentences. This is great. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I had Dead Poets at num- number one. Uh, I think this movie is phenomenal. Um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. Robin Williams is astonishing in it. The the life he brings to that character, you believe every word he says. You believe the the pathos behind why he's saying it. Uh, it is a movie that speaks to me so vividly about the the dangers of legalism and societies and the idea that pushing boundaries is a po- can be a positive force in understanding what humanity is. Um, and not shutting off certain parts of humanity because they're uncomfortable. Um, it has very, uh, very emotional scenes, big moments, great performances. Robert Sean Leonard is just astonishing in this movie. Oh, he's so good. Um, so yeah, Dead Poets is is always going to be up there uh, for me. I had it at uh, number one. Jonathan had it at number two, and Andrew, you had it at number three. Is that right? Yep. So there you go. Um, I, yeah, I think of, of of all the good coming of age dramas. Uh, this one, I think, hits exceptionally well and exceptionally good. 
Um, everything about it, like you said, is just like a beautiful, almost masterpiece. And I don't know if this was even nominated for awards, but it seems like such a great like fall, December kind of like Oscar contender in, in the best mm-hmm. kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin is perfect, but I do want to shout out uh, the late, great Norman Lloyd, who sure. plays the headmaster at the school, who only passed away last week at the age of 106. Yeah. This guy was Whoa. 75 when they filmed this 32 years ago, and he was with us until earlier this month. Um, That's insane. He, he started his career with Alfred Hitchcock and ended it with Amy Schumer, and that tells you everything about the breadth of his career, which spanned over 95 years of work. Absolutely incredible. And he's so good in this. He's just yeah. like that really sneezy. He wants everyone to conform. Everyone needs to listen to do what he says. And Robin and the kids are just like, what if we want to like just do drama and have fun and not just be mm-hmm. rigid little man machines? And, oh, he's great in this. Uh, it was nominated for Best Actor. Robin Williams was nominated for this performance. Uh, Peter Weir was nominated for Best Director. And it was nominated for Best Picture uh, that year. The Good. only award it won was um, uh, Screenplay. Awesome. So, yeah. So I did it not know that, but very well deserved. It's excellent yeah. script. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and oh, I, Captain, I, my Captain. It won the BAFTA <laughs> for Best Picture uh, hmm. I'm seeing as well. So Very there you nice. go. Did you have any thoughts, Andrew, you wanted to express about Dead Poets Society before we moved on? Uh, I'll shout out Ethan Hawke. I sure. really like his One of his first movies. Yeah, the scene where uh, he gets the present of the uh, the the desk set. Mm-hmm, the writing you know? set, yeah. yeah the, that he gets every single year, you know, just mm-hmm. the same. It really, that one really felt, I really felt that one for some reason. Mm-hmm. The whole... Uh, the afterthought present, you know, it's, there's no love behind it. Oh, it man. just, it really hurt. I mean, we could be here for another hour with me talking about my favorite scenes from this movie. Like <laughs> I just immediately just flooded with all the amazing scenes in this movie. So, yeah. but I will spare. I, I got to rewatch it. It's been a few years and I think I've, I've probably seen it two or three times, but uh, it's so wasn't, good. Wasn't Kurtwood Smith. He's the dad. Robert Sean Leonard's dad. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, yeah. And he's only really in it towards the end for like maybe 10, 15 minutes total. But his performance yeah. in, in one very pivotal scene is gut-wrenching. It yeah. is so hard to watch. It really is. It it's really a rough is. movie. I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't really talk about. This movie has a huge dark element to it that, you know. It's also like very uplifting and optimistic at the same time. That's which the is thing. and that's that that's the balance, I think, what makes it so brilliant. There you go. Yeah, if it was only if it was only dark, it would be like, well, I don't, I don't like this. I'm not getting anything. This is just very depressing. But there's an element to it that's really uplifting too. That is why it's my number one, uh, Andrew. We're on to your number one. Yep, the introduction into the Cornetto trilogy. I'm going with Shaun of the Dead. Nice. Uh, this is the best zombie movie for me. Uh, like if I'm reading zombie too. movies, yeah, this is the number one. A because. If correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that this is like the first like sh- a zombie comedy that I can really think certainly of. Certainly the best zombie comedy. Yeah, I don't, I don't the know best. if it was the very first, but I think the first that really yeah kind of got. But popular. something that Shaun of the Dead did really really well, and this is all Edgar Wright, is the fact that he was able to make a good comedy 
and a good zombie movie. Mm -hmm. Like, the first half of this movie is a great comedy. The second half of this movie is a horrifying, super sad (laughs) zombie movie. Like, once they get to the Winchester, that movie is no longer a happy time for all. It gets pretty depressing. But the transition from, you know, that from one to the other is done so well. It's not jarring. It's, you know, I mean, it's set up as the movie has been progressing. You know, mm-hmm. you can, you kind of feel that transition as you're like picking up little Easter eggs, but man, this is such a good, good movie. Yeah. I had it at number three. You had it at number one. Um, I, I, there's so many great moments in this movie. I think of uh, the moment where they meet their doppelgangers, uh, you know, and walk by them and yes. you just kind of greet each other. Uh, like, there's just some really smart, witty things that this movie does. Um, that, See, Mark, that really and Nick, Nick and Simon are just like, they're so fun to watch. I could just hang out with them all day on film. Yeah. They're so fun. Yeah. So good. So good. Uh, all right. Let's talk Die Hard. What do you got at number one, Jonathan? Yeah, Die Hard. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> Oh, um, oh, yeah. Sorry. This is this is um, I, I think a, a pure dis- distillation of what makes screenwriting. Uh, this is the perfect screenplay, uh, top to bottom, front to back. The best action movie I think ever made. Um, it, certainly, if you qualify it as best uh, real world action, I think if you add like sci fi action or fantasy action, there's a couple other contenders in that conversation. But real world action, uh, Die Hard gets it right. It just it's so simple, it's so clean, it's so smart. There's no loose ends, there's no plot holes, there's no issues. I have at any stage of this, and I would probably have picked them up because I watch it every single Christmas Eve. I've seen this movie probably more times than any other film, and I can quote it up and down, and I love every second of it. It is it's perfect. I love it. Is it well, your John favorite McLean movie of all is time? Like one of the best? No, but it's probably my top ten. Nice. I think. Yeah. Let me. John McLean is like one of the first action heroes too. What what made him so great is he's a regular dude, and he's like, I don't want to be here. This sucks. I'm getting hurt. I want to go home. And he's yeah. he's us in every situation. It's like, yes, this would be frustrating if you killed a terrorist, snapped his neck, and then his shoes were smaller than your sister's. That would legitimately be a pain in the butt, and you'd be like frustrated and angry. So like injecting the movie with that sort of levity and that sarcasm, it, it opened action into a whole new genre that it hadn't really been to before action was a very sort of like serious business you mm-hmm. think of like all the james bond movies before that the comedy was like cheesy it was never like this sarcastic realism and die hard nailed it and john McTiernan's script and the filming everything about it is just there's a reason it was copycatted like a hundred times in the 90s yeah. with oh, under yeah. siege and speed and uh air force one and those were all pretty good but like die hard did it first and it did it best yeah yeah, uh, you had it at number one, and both Andrew and I had it at number two. So if you know, just by sheer voting, that would probably be our consensus number one. Um, I, I just checked; be, it's, it's number nine totally on my all-time list. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, very good nice. call, uh, John McClane. Yeah, there you go. Best ever dead movies. Uh, what kind of honorable mentions do you guys have? Got some good ones. Uh, we've mentioned uh, Deadpool. Um, but Dead Man's Shoes is a low-budget Irish film from maybe 10 or so years back. Um, and uh, Toby Kebbell plays the lead in this where he has to um, get justice for his brother, his, his mentally challenged brother who is, is beat up by some locals. And he wants to get revenge and like show him like what you did to my brother was wrong and you should feel bad about it. And it's this really good cathartic revenge movie that has an, an emotional element to it that really sticks um, and I don't think a lot of people have seen Dead nice. Man's Shoes, but 
big recommend. Um, other obvious ones, uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, parts one or two. Uh, just part to live two. And die in, just part two, yeah, not part two. Just part two. Uh, <laughs> to Live and Die in L.A. is a, is a great, gritty, sure. kind of neo-noir 80s thriller. Um, Evil Dead 2, if we're talking about like zombie-like movies, that's certainly in that conversation. And then uh, Charles Bronson in Death Wish. Um, Death Wishes. That, yep, that, is a, that is a fun concept. It's a fun franchise. I watched all five of those earlier this year. Um, yeah, those are those are my picks for honorable mentions. Andrew, what uh, yeah. honorable mentions you mentioned, do you have? Uh, he mentioned to mine Death Wish and Evil Dead 2. Uh, so I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I would also mention Dead Man Walking um, is, is worth a watch. Uh, Death Becomes Her is funny. Oh, that's I right. Enjoy- that's a great one. I enjoy that movie. Totally uh, more recently, that. Death of Stalin. If you haven't gotten a chance to see Death of Stalin, I want to see that movie. It's so that good. was the that was the Jason Isaacs and Steve Buscemi like black comedy, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Is Steve in it? Anyway, Tom Wilkinson's in it too, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like The West Wing, but in Russia. I'm not, sorry, not West Wing. It feels like Veep, but in correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was it's great. The same writer as Veep, isn't it? Isn't it? It might same? be. It, it very so, well should be because yeah. it feels so similar to that pitter patter yeah. like political vulgar commentary. Uh, I had mentioned Dead Calm, uh, and since we're on the Nicole Kidman subject, I would also mention To Die For uh, is worth the watch. Uh, and then finally, Happy Death Day. Um, those are yeah, no, that those, is pretty good. Oh, those are great man, well. Happy Death and Happy Death Day to you. Both of those mm-hmm. movies are really yeah, good. Those are both great. Um, all right, let's head on to our buried treasure. What is that one thing of any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about? Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off? Uh, two weeks in a row, I'm recommending a book. This week, I am recommending a autobiography of The Desert and the Sea, 977 Days Captured on the Somali Coast. This is the life's, uh, not the life story, but it's the uh, uh, the traumatic story of Michael Scott Moore, who is a journalist who is trying to do a uh, a story on a uh, Somali pirates. But, uh, I think this was like back. It was the same year that uh, Captain Phillips was a, uh, you know, that whole mm-hmm. thing went down. But uh, he was captured, and then for 977 days he was. A prisoner of Somali pirates, and it's that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to spoil or anything, but he was able to write and publish the book, so you might know how it ends. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it's it's a it's an amazing story of a man trying his best not to let, uh, I guess you could say, uh, racism and you know, just hatred overtake his life because the whole time he's like, I have so many reasons why I should hate these people. You know, they've captured me. They've kept me prisoner, but they are, but it's like a lot of him like saying to himself, like, I don't want to become the hate that they are, you know, filled with for me. You know, they hate me because, you know, they believe Westerners are polluting the waters with a, with shipping, uh, containers and or shipping vessels and stuff like that. So, I uh, so it's interesting him trying to you know form bonds with not only other prisoners but his captors, and it's really good because a he's a journalist so he's very well 
he has the ability to articulate, unlike me, um, you know, how he feels about, you know, the whole situation. It is a fascinating read, even though I, I say read, I got the audiobook, but it's really good. I consider that reading. I consider that reading. Listening is a form of reading. It is. It certainly (laughs) is. Um, Yeah, I just don't know that I would trust Michael Scott to tell me the truth. Um, Oh, Michael Scott Moore. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) You waited three minutes Uh, for that. (laughs) I did. I had that in my brain the whole time. Uh, Let's see. My Buried Treasure is season two of Mythic Quest uh, coming out on uh, Apple uh, TV+. Um, is is it already out or it's coming out? It's well, there are four episodes so far. They're coming out weekly. Um, so, okay. uh, yeah, we're four episodes into season two. Man, do I love this show! This is so much fun. Um, it yeah. is everything you love about you know typical office you know comedies where you have quirky characters and relationships and that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it's all overset um, with this video game company who basically is designing a World of Warcraft uh, type game and uh, just kind of the things that go along with that. Uh, Very well cast, very humorous, very funny. Uh, Did either of you watch season one of Mythic Quest? Yeah, I had never even heard of it until 30 seconds ago. Okay, fun, fun. Furiously Googling to keep up. (laughs) It's it's really good. There is a episode in season one it's a flashback episode with jake johnson it might be like one of my favorite episodes it's of like any a short film ever. it's so yeah, crazy it, it, it feels like an episode of black mirror except you know without the twist mm-hmm. but it's just set in that you know silicon valley ish it's it's such a good episode it's wild isn't it it, it is one of those things yeah. that it's just it's kind of wholly its own i've never seen a show do this before where it's just yeah. a regular sitcom Every single episode, except one episode, is like, nope, we're going to be like an independent <laughs> short film for this episode. None that of the same really characters. Hard. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's it's fa- that episode is a fascinating thing. I don't even understand how it happened, but uh, it's also great. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. And it's tied into the whole, you know, mythic quest genre, or uh, like world. world I guess you sure. Could say, yeah. Yeah. By the. By the smallest of threads. Right, yeah. But it's the most fascinating part of the entire series. I'm hoping they have uh, another one the- like that this season. I'm hoping there's another yeah. episode. Is it episode six, I think, of that season? I can't remember. It was something like that. Five or six, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But I also love, you know, uh, the show proper. Yeah. It's so funny, too. Yeah, it's great. I uh, like that. Looking at the Wikipedia, it's only 15 episodes of 30 minutes each. So there, you go, <laughs> there you I go, buddy. There you go. I like that. Go I like for that it. quite a bit. All right, finish this off. Jonathan, what do you got? Yeah, mine's more of an ethereal concept than an individual item, but uh, <laughs> okay. doing trivia nights on Zoom virtually. Okay. Um, a friend of mine got us hooked up with a, a, a company called Geeks Who Drink, which is like a nationally syndicated trivia company, and we've done three of these now. Um and they've been super fun. And I, I maybe I just kind of slept on the concept of trivia at home. Um, but I've always loved going to trivia nights at bars and restaurants when we could go to those places. Um, and I didn't immediately make the mental pivot in my head like, oh, these are a thing that exists now in the pandemic. I'm a year late on it. Um, so my apologies. Everyone else has already discovered this. But getting together on Zoom with like 75 strangers, like everyone has their video on. There's something like 35 teams for the game we played this Thursday night. And we were doing uh, 80s music trivia, and I thought, oh, I'm going to be aces at this. I know every hot pip, uh, hot pop song, um, and, and we, well, I think we got like 21st place. Uh, we did not do well. <laughs> it was super challenging, but it was fun. It's it's so nice to like 
have some semblance of like a social event and and also like actually use your your brain and have some mental trickery involved and um i don't know there was something about doing trivia on zoom that i was like why didn't i know about this a year ago this is so much fun where would well, you, John, go- you would have gotten first place if all the other teams hadn't been, you know, sneakily using their phones to look up the end. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the big thing. Like, how do you curb cheating? And it's all honor code. And you just have to – a lot of the questions aren't ones you can, like, easily Google. For example, there was an entire round of song lyrics uh, sent through Google Translate like a dozen times. So all the lyrics hmm. are just a, like a jumble. And you have to kind of put them back together and then name the song. Uh, and that's not something you could really Google even if you had time. And you don't. It's sort of like a time – you only have like five or ten minutes per round. Um, but it, it really worked. So we've set up a team of uh, four people and we're meeting uh, once or once a week or once every other week to, to kind of test our knowledge. And, and so far we're 16th and 21st and hopefully we'll do better next time. But where where – like is this somewhere you could like go yeah. if somebody wanted to do this? Like where would you send them? Yeah. Um, give Geeks Who Drink a Google. Okay. Um, and that geekswhodrink.com, and that'll bring you to their homepage. Like I said, it's like a legitimate uh, production. They have like music and graphics, and the entire trivia night feels like you're part of like a game show almost. It feels Fun. very put together and professional. Um, and there's like some legitimate prizes you can win. So I would, yeah, I totally recommend it if you're looking for something to do on a, a weekday night. Very I nice. Done trivia and like bar trivia in like a decade. But I loved it, man. It was yeah, it's so fun. Much fun. And it was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, of course I would like this. But I just didn't even realize it was a thing. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for passing that on. Trivia Night uh, on Zoom. Um, you can check that out uh, with Geeks Who Drink uh, if you want to check that out. I'm well, we sure there's it. other companies that host them, but that was just the one sure. that, that we're, we've been working with. Yep. Well, we did it, guys. We did a podcast. We s- submerged ourselves in this podcast and popped our heads out to breathe every once in a while. It was amazing. So round of applause <laughs> here for our visual audience there you go Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thank you to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Hey, Phil. Thanks to Drew for doing the visual content uh, for the episode. Big clap. And thank you to John Paula for hanging out with us again this Woo! month. Um, hey, that's me. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to send people to hang out with you, I to see know. your stuff? Follow me on Twitter, I guess, at John Paula. There you go. I tweet, some, I tweet interesting things occasionally. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, you're going to ask me, and I'll be like, you know what? I actually do have something to promote, and you can find it here, but... Just, I've just been taking it easy this quarantine. Well, listen, if you follow... I didn't think it was going to last 18 months, but I've been taking it easy. <laughs> if you want to follow John on Twitter, then you can find out when he's got stuff going on. Uh, that is twitter.com slash J-O-N-P-A-U-L-A uh, if you want to follow him there. Much Thank love you. and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at 3 bucks a month. Comes with some really fun stuff at the different tiers, so you can check out all that information at patreon.com slash siftpop. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. Feel free to comment, rate, or leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, you can also send us a question or comment at feedback at sifpop.com if you do the email thing. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than using the zombie apocalypse to reconnect with your daughter. 
Uh, we will be back <laughs> next week with Quiet Place 2 and Cruella. Uh, Those are new s- movies. We will Whoa. see you then. Bye. Bye. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, saw Chris in the chat, Koku. Uh, uh, Kafu Kema really wants us to watch uh, Army of the Dead uh, at least twice more um, because it's more than just a zombie movie. Uh, so there have been hints about aliens and zombies. We talked about that a little bit about the yeah, like the time loop kind of hints that are in the movie. Uh, thank you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're gonna we're gonna head on and do some stuff. So thanks for spending a Saturday afternoon with us. Bye. Bye. I love Bye. you all. You're amazing. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.